0: Sure.
1: Welcome to another installment of show to v with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Absinthe, Bastrop, Texas, music, engineering, and so much more. Today with the founders of Derelict Airship Distilling out in Bastrop, Texas, Mr. Matthew Mancuso and Jessica Lee Graves. We talked just about a year ago about their amazing emerging Absinthe project and things have really, really changed since we first chatted. So this interview is composed of two pieces. First, I sat down and talked to Matthew and Jessica about the project, how their passion for Absinthe came to be, what kinds of branding ideas they had in mind, and what kinds of things they'd like to bring to the market. And then we're talking just about a year later. The first cases have shipped. The first bottles are out there on the shelves behind the bar and for your buying pleasure with Jessica. And it is a different time now. It's a different time era and phase of their business. And I think for you out there who would like to start a business, a tangible product-based business, whether that is an alcoholic product, there's some great advice here from true entrepreneurs. You have Jessica, who's incredibly creative, a very good social presence for the business. And then Matthew, who is the designer, the man who crafts the beautiful liquid in the bottle. So I hope you guys find this chat very informational. I hope you can take away some learnings from it as well. If you're looking to start your own business. But again, this is composed in two pieces, the original interview just about a year last August, and an update from Jessica about their wonderful Violet Crown Spirits Emerald Absinthe that has just hit the shelves in Texas. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Jessica Lee Graves and Matthew Mancuso of Derelict Airship Distilling.
2: Well, I guess, you know, I got interested in it back in 2009-ish when absinthe was first legalized. I went and bought a you know bottle of absente at the store, which was oh, the closest yeah. thing I could get at the time. Uh, you know, it had not uh, grand wormwood in it. It, had, it was the first version that came out with the uh, Roman wormwood, I think. Oh, okay. okay. So, you know, it tasted like absinthe, and it was okay. And, you know, when I tried it, I just thought, yeah, I, could, I could probably do better than that. <laughs> that's how it goes. This, are yeah. you married, Matt? No. Okay. So
1: that's how it goes. You're like, well... This girl's dating this guy. I can do better. She can do better than that.
0: And then you start projecting. (laughs)
1: That's what all this is about. The social network about Mark Zuckerberg is we got a bone to pick. Yeah. And that's why we do these things. So when did you find you first had this lust for absinthe? Like, was it a cultural thing or was it purely
2: just tasting the absinthe? You know, I think it was a little bit of both. You It was kind of um, the the legalization and uh, that kind of side of it brought it to my attention it was like oh cool this is something new this is something that hasn't been on the market in you know 100 years in the u.s yeah this is something i want to you know check into a little bit more and, well and you
1: have both your ears there's always yeah, that van yeah, Ga- yeah. the van Gogh story right? yeah yeah um so that's good i'm glad to see that you've remained had all these your limbs are
2: still intact which i think is a great thing yeah but yeah, no uh, weird effects from the absinthe
1: that's yet right yeah. i keep here i hear stories lemmy from motorhead talks about these stories of doing absinthe in europe and things do you think that that stuff we both know it's really just high-proof alcohol which makes you do crazy shit but just the folklore of absinthe what is it to you what is it like what's the kind of like if you're dreaming about absinthe what
2: (laughs) what what would you tell somebody you know the uh the the whole like you know visions and stuff like that i think that's a bunch of crap (laughs) it is you know it's like if you finish a bottle of absinthe in a night you're probably going to be blackout drunk
1: yeah you're a trooper if nothing else, right? Yeah. yeah. No, no, it's fine. I, we can, you know, I deal with the things. He's got a phone. I've got a phone. I like vibrate. I never like to be bothered by it. And he doesn't have iOS. He's got some kind of Android thing.
2: I think. Yeah, so. some kind of monstrous <laughs> phone. There
1: we go. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a bunch of absence is, is inspiring at least though from a creative perspective. A lot yeah, of people have found yeah. solace and kind of deep
2: introspection from and drinking that, that uh, you know artistic. You know, area there's like all the art- all the artists. Yeah. were were drinking it. That was you know quite the uh, important social and um, uh, societal thing at the time. You know, shortly before it's banned, unfortunately, right was kind of its peak. But you are you a
1: creative? Now we talked a little bit, so I already kind of know the answer to this question because you have a PhD, right? Masters. You have a master's. <laughs> You're smart either way. He has it's th- fine. He has three degrees. In See, the just add them up. Add them <laughs> up together. That, 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 the same cost as a PhD. So we'll yeah. round it up. So you have a nice, well, versatile academia, you know, record of academia. But were you the creative guy? Were you writing poetry and trying to charm people, you know, with sonnets? Or were you always interested in math and science and kind of the way things work? Oh, ma- math, science, and chemistry is, yeah. my, is my purview. Yeah. what was it what's it about that that appeals to you
2: you know um the the whole distilling stuff like that is like you know i went through in you know my uh, my chemistry classes we did distilling and you know organic chemistry second year oh, chemistry nice. you know kind of got used to that process of you know separating and uh that whole you know picking your temperatures yeah. and length of your columns and that kind of stuff for for extracting and the, that sort of business and uh, you know, it's just I I started you know tasting the absents that were available, and you know, it's just like you know, I I thought I could do better, and and sure enough, I I think that I've I've got something better than a lot of what well, else we'll get, is on the market there. Yeah, so, and I'm looking for I'm really really excited because I've heard yeah. about this
1: for some time now, and I try to stay ahead of stuff. Right, try to I, I always look to see who has new who has new licenses, who has new label approval, and it's really brilliant because I know Graham from you know Wausau yeah. from Epson, or from Tennyson, wonderful dude, gave me some great advice as, as I was starting.
2: Years ago. but Yeah, he was actually a huge help to us when we were first
3: coming oh, the that's, ground, too. Yeah, that's yeah great, that right? was one of the things that surprised me about getting into this industry is, like, how much people were like, oh, yeah, the only other guy who's doing the thing that you're doing yeah. in this market, go talk to him. And I was like, He's oh, you got to be kidding me. And then he was just incredibly gracious and, like, here, let me tell you all the people you should contact and I'll be yeah. sure to, like, when you're ready, let me know. And, you know, just...
1: Do you you have, and I have a theory as to why that's the case, besides the general cordiality and hospitality that just is this undercurrent of the people around, but do you know why? I have a a theory as to why Graham, besides Graham being a great guy, but there's a reason why I think he's like that.
3: Well, I mean, when you're this niche, like anything doing well means all of them do well.
1: That's exactly, I think that's exactly the the sentiment that we all have to fall into. Gin's a very, very small segment, albeit larger than absinthe globally, but- The more that everybody talks about gin, the more that they're going to drink gin. The more that everybody talks about Absinthe, albeit Absinthe in Texas even, even though, you know, uh, Tennyson is made in France, but still, like, it's a Texas company that really improves the overall state of that narrative and of that commentary. Definitely about Absinthe. Well, and
3: the people who go nuts over the... You know, artists in small batch right. you know, craft thing are the kind of people who are not going to have just one bottle, one brand on their shelf. Oh, and for then sure. People want, like, A library, try this and try it, that. that. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: It's like the vinyl collectors. <laughs> who's who's the last vinyl collector you met? It's like, well, I only have Beatles vinyl. It's like, really? <laughs> There's other bands. Like, yeah, but you know, I just need about 10, 10 pieces of vinyl. <laughs> That's it. Like, then my, my collection is complete. But so where did you grow up then, Matt? You, you went to college in Tennessee, you said? Yeah, right? I, was, I was
2: actually born in Connecticut. Connecticut. I was there for 10 years. Really? Tennessee for 20 and been here for a little over five. Now. What, what
1: took you from Connecticut to Tennessee? Folks? Family.
2: My, my mother, uh, her family was from Tennessee. Really? So when I was 10, uh, we moved down there to be closer to her family.
1: Was it a the and in this is very, very common
2: story, but the folks split or were yeah, they just yeah. exactly yeah.
1: You have any brothers or sisters?
2: I do, yeah. I have uh, a sister and then two a uh, half brother and half sister actually yeah. up in Connecticut. So.
1: Younger sister or older sister? Younger.
2: I'm yeah. the oldest. So you
1: have to set the tone. <laughs> <laughs> and having, you know, multiple degrees and I'll be you know, a master's, which is still great. But does you talk to your sister and be like,
2: what is is she interested in science too? Uh, she's uh, she's actually in energy. She actually has a master's degree as well. And she's up in. Uh, Amazing. Yeah, she's up in Philadelphia. Really? Doing something for some power company up there. <laughs> no, but that's. <laughs> doing very crazy. well for herself. Yeah, it's brilliant.
1: And so you don't have to tell me where is but you have it, the day job thing
2: too. We're all moonlighting, I think, in this industry. Uh, at the moment, not really. I'm okay. just kind of picking up work as it comes to me. That's good. But you know I I got a lot of stuff going on, so
1: I'm I stay busy. Well he,
3: he has some really interesting projects. Like of course he can fix just about anything. Sure. Okay. Um, I he, got a door res- over here that no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he, does, he does things like that as well. <laughs> I just um, need long <laughs> wood screws. He he, he he resurrected my uh, very dead vehicle. Um, really? Yeah, it was really wonderful. You're
1: not um, a shaman, are you?
3: Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> it was with actual like, you know, blueprints and stuff.
3: Well, you Parts. know, we did we did we did things like we um cut our own gaskets. Uh, on the laser cutter at the hackerspace and stuff. Really? So couldn't get them, like it, w- it was going to take a couple of weeks to get them shipped. Sure. So he just found an image on the internet and.
2: You laser cut, what material are we talking about? Steel, aluminum? Gasket, Well, uh, like gasket paper. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Went to the okay. auto store and bought an uncut sheet of gasket paper. But
3: still. I know. Who but does but, but but That's right, great. Exactly, but, yeah. right? So that's just one example of how like he takes an ordinary thing and does it extraordinarily. Right. But, but then tell them about the, the mosquito thing.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, well, I'm not sure how much I can talk about that. Uh, it's, uh, are you, you're not right. developing right. some a, kind of weird he's, he's strain of mosquito. He's working with some no, research no,
3: scientists that he used to work with. It at, a, at a Yeah, so
2: when I first moved to Texas, the reason I actually ended up in Austin was because after I got my master's degree, I started working at uh, UT okay. in one of the biochemistry labs. Yeah. And I worked there for a couple of years and then I moved on to some other, you know, it was, it was a contract, so when the contract ended, I moved on to some other work. Right. And then um, somewhere in my five years in Austin, I had done a project with uh, another person who was in town uh, through the hackerspace uh, for, I think it was one of those like like hackathons or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where um, she, like, she was like, hey, is there somebody at the hackerspace locally that can give me a hand building this device? It was uh, uh what's called a thermocycler. Okay. So it's what's used to make copies of DNA. You put your chemicals in the tube, and then it heats up and cools it down to cycle the enzymes. And every time you cycle it, it doubles the copies. Oh wow! Um, and so, so the, when you when you enzymes, buy one of these The enzymes, catalyze the effect, the, and the DNA s- copying. Yeah, Got it. It's, it's Interesting. Enzyme, okay. DNA copying enzymes. Yeah. So like one of these you buy commercially, it's like five to ten grand. They're yeah. expensive. So she was interested in doing DIY bio. So people who are looking to do this kind of stuff at home can't afford a $10,000 device. Of course, yeah. So, you right, know, right. I helped her design the... Uh, she, had, she was the, the programming side of it. So she had like the... We used Arduino as the base for okay, it. Okay. And then uh, I did the hardware side. So I, I you know, uh, cut out the heating block for it. Uh, we found, you know, a solution for the, for the heater, for the cooling. Right. And then, you know, we put together this device that was maybe like $100 that would perform the same functions as this $5,000 So
1: you're device. the perfect guy... To go and solve the gasket problems, because there's so many gasket problems at the oh, yeah. there's leaking, you've got tri-clamp issues, pumps, filters as you're starting to see, yeah? oh yeah, but this all I imagine is
2: very stimulating for you. Yeah, yeah. the, the assembly and troubleshooting is really like my, uh, my forte. <laughs> do you like being or do you ever want to be the guy that's out there in the market and the, the face of the brand? No, not really. <laughs> so, you know, it's like we, we founded this company back actually in uh, 2012. Oh, really? Okay. And, uh, you know, th- th- I say founded as in like we filed our, our paperwork to, right, get it, right, right. to get it started at the state level. And then, you know, we kind of sat on it for a couple of years because... What, what happened? Yeah, you know, I, I had the ability to, you know, design the product, run the still, that side of it. Uh, I, one of my, we actually had three partners at the time. Uh, so I was the you know, manufacturing, and then one of my partners is accounting, and the other was administration. Yeah, and uh, we're all fairly introverted. You know, it's like we're, we're more than happy to run the business, but right, you know, the the marketing side, the uh, the, the, pe- the pushing, the people the, skills, the PR. Yeah, you know, we, we just didn't really have somebody that fit that, and that's actually where Jessica came in. Well, how did you guys meet then? Um, we met on the on the internet in twenty thirteen.
3: Twenty thirteen. Well, so it's funny because. Um, I saw his OK Cupid profile in 2011. I was
1: gonna ask and yep.
3: reached out to him then, and then like I left town, and like the conversation dropped or Wait, whatever. So and then it... two years later, right? Okay, he um, sent me a message and saw that we had chat history and then we were like we need
1: to go on a date now wait so all right okay you
3: weren't clear on that part
1: <laughs> no i was not clear on that part and i like that uh-huh. i like that so okay cupid which has led to many strange dates for people that i know oh, not yeah. so, I many, it, so many bad first dates <laughs> so, so many, many, many bad, bad first dates, dates right yeah. a lot of uh pictures <laughs> uh, just, you know incriminating pictures and all of that mm-hmm. but so are you guys a romantic unit now Really? Yeah. Do you live together? We do. Yeah. That's
0: incredible.
3: Yeah. And actually, uh, uh, one of the other partners is also uh, a roommate. Really? Yeah. We'll uh, keep I, it close to home. I though. moved in with them like. A year and a half ago? Yeah.
1: And were you, are you from, Jessica, you from Austin or Texas yeah, in I, general? Yeah, I
3: grew up in Austin. Uh, Did you I spent really? spent seven years in D.C. and then I came back in 20, why well, the, basically 2010.
1: Why the D.C. bit?
3: Um, I went to Gallaudet University, which is the deaf university, as okay. a hearing undergrad and got fluent in sign language. Really? Yes. That was, that was after I sort of, that was like my 180 degrees from the music career that I had been
1: doing so. Started Yeah Been successful Were you touring or? Um.
3: Well so I I mean We Were doing like The summer Like natural ear music camp Like right. summer band camp stuff From the time we were Like single digit age mm-hmm. Um. My brother and I Um. What,
1: what, you guys are Guitarists Vocalists What exactly is your specialty uh, I
3: play the guitar The ukulele And the clarinet Those are the ones that I play In front of other people Right um, And I uh, I'm a songwriter And uh, And I also sing um so yeah so i got an opportunity to go to nashville uh, okay. i was in, in i was in this band that was like this novelty jazz ukulele band called cool. shorty long
1: do you, shorty long just real quick do you yeah. remember the squirrel nut zippers
3: oh yeah yeah we we, we we even like we're i don't know in the running i guess at some point to like do like an opening for them. See, the, I just, like, for
1: some reason, that's like the <laughs> genre that comes to mind. It's, like tall guys did, in suits, but, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah but probably. still, it's like, but you yeah. got it because you, yeah. It's, yeah, for so sure. I, I, I think I can imagine. So do you, do you
3: remember the Asylum Street Spankers?
1: I don't, no, okay, no, 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 Well,
3: that, that, a couple of them. I'm way too old for that. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I'm just doing the math by the years I hear you graduate. So I just <laughs> go backwards.
0: <laughs> ah, ah.
3: Well, yeah, so like I was in this ukulele band uh, and the, you know, the 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 record that we made, I was in the studio, like, I turned 18 that week. Wow. Um, And that got to Nashville, and this guy flew me out a couple times, and I was like, this is great, except I don't like this music. Right. And
1: so... What's the genre that really, that you aligned to? I
3: mean, I'm much more jazzy, bluesy, I mean, like, but I also don't, like it, the the scope of the Nashville machine is pretty narrow. Oh, it totally is. You yeah. know, and well now it's all
1: pop. Anyways, like it doesn't really matter, right?
3: Right. Well, and then and then there's more of like the influence of like hip hop, where there's lots more sampling and crossover of right. genres and stuff. But um, yeah, it's it, in 1999 or two, Dif- I guess this would have been 2000 or 2001. Yeah, not so bad not, then,
1: right? It's like slightly different. In two, like now it's even more firmly pop and firmly sampled and. But mm-hmm. it's always
3: been firmly something, and it so, was firmly yeah, right. something that I was like, e- not into no, it. No, not so much. So I kind of was like, well, Jessica, they offered you a career in music, and you didn't take it. So I guess you better go find something else to do. <laughs> and I had been studying sign language in high school, and uh, I decided I wanted to get. I'd do- done it for long enough that I right. was like close enough to fluent that it seemed silly to stop. Well, what was what's, so what's the impetus? Uh, well, real
1: quick, which, why many people pick Spanish because you can use it. So is there someone close to you that you can use it? Or is just interesting? Or? It
3: was just interesting to me. I was into photography and the whole visual communication yeah. thing. Just like... Okay. And I had a knack for it where I did not have a knack for Spanish or French or... Interesting. The, okay. That yeah. makes sense. Well, it's
1: totally different it's the center of your brain, right?
3: Well, I mean, like the language center you have in common, but yeah, there's plenty of... But I guess like, the, the, the physical other, execution, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like playing a guitar. And I've always been a very expressive person and you have to use your face a lot for the grammatical markers. So That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> is it easy um,
1: to... Is it easier than a spoken language? More difficult? The same?
3: I mean, languages are hard.
1: Yeah. They like
3: aren't. like they're all, I mean, it. you know, people are like, well, how long does it take? I'm like, as long as it takes to learn a language as an adult. Like, yeah. It's it's more about how much time you put into it and how much exposure you have to, other people, which is why I decided to go, I transferred from ACC to Gallaudet University and mm. like it's the closest thing that there is to a deaf country. So interesting. Yeah. So, so DC.
1: Yeah. There's so, a lot of jokes to be made about that, mind you. Eh. <laughs> people not paying attention and being deaf to the causes of the people now this is
3: this is not political, but you know oh, i'm yeah. just trying to be funny. Oh yeah well and my drummer's blind so i i, I get really? a lot of blind jokes yep uh yeah so wow well yeah <laughs> um, that's
1: that but that works with the sunglasses and the blues and deeply jazzy music <laughs> it does it yes. is you're you're in <laughs> you're you're here to plug it in like easy
3: yeah so yeah i moved off to dc and went to uh call it i was in college oh two to oh six and then i was there through the end of 2009 but at some at some point in like 2008 i was like wow i really I'm, like something wasn't right with me and yeah. i figured out that it was that i didn't play music anymore right um i well, yeah, like my friends would come through town and stay with me, and I would hook them up with gigs and stuff. And then they're like, "Why aren't you doing this? Yeah, move back to Texas and play music with us." And I was like, "Well." well. Did you
1: finish up in D.C.?
3: Um, I mean, I was there for seven years. Okay. I, I mean, I I don't feel like moving back was like a backslide. It felt like I was Mm-mm. complete there. Uh, I mean, I loved it, but in the same month, uh, in August of two thousand and nine, my three closest friends either finished up their graduate school mm-hmm. or got jobs or both and all left within like four or five weeks. Of so time. easy to make the choice. And I was like, well, okay, I guess we're done here. Right. Um, so I moved back to Texas and started a band. And, uh, is
1: that the same band you're in now? mm mm-hmm. Tell me what the name is again. The Lovelies. The I'm Lovelies. Jessica
3: Lee and she's Raina Lee and we are oh, the Lovelies.
1: Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. What's And so please tell me the Drummer Wars song
3: <laughs> yeah, in fact, um, he usually, like his favorite pair these days is, um, it's like two big pink lips, like mouths open, <laughs> that's like covered in pink glitter.
1: That's not so bad. Yeah, it's pretty great. What style-wise, did it fall in line with what you were wanting to do? More sultry, more deep, bluesy, jazzy? Oh, yeah, kind of?
3: well, because she and I are the songwriters, so it's yeah. like everything that we're interested in doing. And that's we amazing. do a handful of covers, but it's all like our our versions of stuff. It's not like we're doing... Yeah, so right. We, so we do like gonna, Tom Waits, but in the style of the Boswell sisters. So right. Like, like
1: what you want, how you want it to be. Exactly. Do we we have it.
3: complete creative control.
1: Which is good. It's always good. Until you sign with a label. But I think you've learned, <laughs> learned that piece already. Mm-hmm. You know, have you found that booze in general, when I use the word booze, it's really not an invective? I, I, I adore it. I love I, that.
3: I, I, I call it hooch and booze. And hooch, booze. And, hooch is good too. Uh huh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It's very good. Yeah. But that it is this amazing metaphor to, or a parallel. The music so you've got bass treble mids that's a daiquiri right there for you right mm-hmm. so you have something tart something sweet something boozy and then you have this kind of completeness can you think of what that booze was or that drink or that experience that kind of opened your mind to saying shit cocktails are pretty neat
3: i mean i've always been like a whiskey tequila girl i like yeah. to, I, you know I, I keep it simple uh if i have anything other than just neat? It's like on the rocks, right? Um, no, that's fair whatever, too, because absinthe,
1: you had a little water and then then you're going. So I understand that. So whiskey was a thing for you? Um, it yeah, is was I mean,
3: like it, my bandmate loves Jameson, so it's yeah. always like a round of shots for the band. I'll drink Jameson, and then eventually I discovered Tullamore Dew. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> and mm, don't mind if I do. Not bad. And uh, yeah, uh, so you know, n- nice whiskey if you can get it. Um, and I don't know, like, uh, I, I, I'm not particularly complicated on that count. That's good. Um, And, you know, like with, with uh, tequila, it's like 100% agave reposado and I'm happy. Yeah, done. Done um, you know, And
1: you've, well, it's shown that, you know, the two times that we've been in the same room, you've been drinking mescal. So <laughs> uh, I think you have some, some kind of predilection towards agave, it feels like. Uh-huh,
3: uh-huh. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I find it. It's more interesting than vodka. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's not saying much. <laughs>
3: Fair enough. I'm but just, but you know. I get
1: you are right. It's got right. texture. It's got emotion. It's got movements. Yeah, dynamic, and, and all it of
3: changes that. on the palate. And it, yeah, yeah. It does, it, It's a party in my mouth.
1: I like it. It's like a song. <laughs> it's like a song. Mm-hmm. So was what was Matt kind of had the the absinthe stuff already started to take, to take form when you guys met and you. Got together? Was it like he said? Hey, I'm smart, have a master's, and I'm developing absinthe. Was that? Is a great pitch? on OKCupid? <laughs> that's a really good pitch.
3: No, he didn't mention any of that. Like, I don't think we talked. About oh, he's that playing really a coy. Much. I mean, he might have mentioned it a little bit early on, but like, it. You know, we weren't like all in. Yeah. At that time, you know, and and sure. he was like, oh, I, you know, I'd like it was, you know, I'd like to start this distillery, which like, oh, cool, you know, nice idea. Yeah. But I'm very much a like. You know do or do not there is no try sure, kind of person sure, so yeah. it was like whatever also my only experiences with absinthe prior to that were um like terrible really <laughs> so what can when, you describe like why I was so I mean bad? like uh, uh I, this guy gave he's like oh i got this absinthe and I was like okay right because <laughs> i was already like nah about it and then he just he didn't cut it with any water or anything he oh, just served gee. it to me straight and I was just like this is terrible like, I did. why? <laughs> um, and that was my most recent you know uh, uh, experience with it because like I don't know. Like nobody that I went to college with was. I mean, well, wasn't a thing. You yeah, were talking totally two thousand seven, yeah. two thousand eight. Like yeah, exactly. nobody knows.
1: I had to buy bottles from France and send them over. Yeah. Exactly. You know. Exactly.
3: So like there was. It was. Yeah. Totally wasn't a thing. And the few experiences that I had with it were just.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> so so you, did you pay it any mind? The no, fact that no, and
3: and and in fact, like you know, the, when he mentioned it again and again, like as time went on, I was like, but. <laughs> <laughs> but i don't but no i just
1: what's your rebuttal uh, to that matt like
2: but why what would you say <laughs> oh you know it's i, I that, people a lot of times have that reaction to absinthe because yeah. a lot of times people's first experience with absinthe are awful because you know it's either they're they're getting something which has absinthe on the label that's you know green food coloring right, right. And, and you know uh, corn alcohol and you know uh, any uh, oil or something yeah, like that yeah. that's just vile and you know i guess from eastern europe that's labeled you know 10 percent Thujone or something on the bottle and oh, you know because they're trying to market the you know psychedelic yeah, qualities let's get fucked and, up. right uh, you know like the czech
1: republic if i recall that's yeah yeah
2: and you and they you know it's like you end up drinking it straight or you do what they called the bohemian method which was to, you know you soak a sugar cube oh, with absinthe right. and you yeah. light it on fire and so now your drink tastes like burnt sugar mm. which is really <laughs>
1: super appetizing <laughs> yeah, there good. yeah, yeah. So it's one of those things. Like, gin has the same kind of weird enemy to many people's
2: youth kind of feel to it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Yeah, a lot of people's first you know experiences are very jarring and unpleasant.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's just it's it's an it's uh, like a dark horse kind of like people don't really get it. Did you, Jessica? Did you have any problem with the general sense of anise and fennel in it? Some people, that's the first thing they're just like, I can't. So. um, or licorice root whatever for most use.
3: of my life my um, you know it's like oh do you have any dietary restrictions and mm-hmm. aside from that time when I was a vegetarian but we won't talk it about happens. that it happens it's okay um, <laughs> like, we're all here t- for you <laughs> <laughs> eventually I remembered that I'm a Texan and I love barbecue you know oh yeah um, but yeah so like for the longest time it was like yeah there's only two things that I don't like and it's bananas and black licorice damn um, I wish that I liked bananas but I hate them I, it's, um, they're good. I like them. Uh, I find good. them vile. And really? I, I, I like. The, we already like removed the Cavendish from like the face of the earth. I don't understand why we can't do that. Interesting.
1: With the, what about tostones? Some fried plantain chips. <laughs> oh no! No, yeah, plantains.
2: No, no. Oh come on!
1: Either. They're just she, like she doesn't do them. They're no, so good.
2: No. Don't go to Puerto Rico.
1: <laughs> I, I, I'm I a have, fan of bananas, <laughs> but yeah. I abstain from them for her, <laughs> for the sake of the yeah. relationship. <laughs> <laughs>
3: he doesn't keep them in the house. Um, but he well, does, so
1: how do you he, overcome that then? Like the licorice piece.
3: Well, so, because it's not actually black licorice. No, understood. It's like understood. anise and fennel, right? right? So it's like, it's it, you know, it, it's a little more, I don't know, subtle in uh, the differences. Yeah. But like, it's different enough. And, you know, I prefer the white absinthe to the green absinthe because it has less of the, the anise.
1: Because the distillation pulls those heavier compounds out. Is that why? Well. Just um, it's just it's mixed
2: a little bit different. Got it. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, so Typical. like.
3: Yeah, so the so the um, the white absinthe doesn't have that second maceration of herbs. Right. It Doesn't have the second round of, of stuff, and it doesn't it doesn't like bring out that flavor as much. Yeah. Um, a little more so, crisp, I guess.
1: Yeah. Uh, something like that.
3: Something like. that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to some here in a minute
1: too. Yeah. 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 No, no. Well, this Speaking is the this. thing. It's like it's hard for me because <laughs> there are two bottles of absinthe, one of each style. So would the darker green be classified as French style, or is it a different? They're form? they're both
2: uh, European style. European absinthe. style. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know not not eastern european <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah so like you know uh the the french would just call that a uh blanche instead of a uh, instead of a blue blue okay and, and the the, you know, the the swiss call this you know wine macerated with, or distilled macerated with herbs and then distilled again it's you know blue instead of blanc oh right? interesting it's just okay. the different
1: well shame on me there's something i forgot to mention oh. and that is derelict. Airship is that that's the right way to say it, right?
3: <laughs> well, we do joke around saying it like they do in the Zoolander film. How do they say
1: Derelict. Oh, right, <laughs> yeah. sure. Well, I never saw the little the little tilde thing. So no, 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 I, <laughs> no, no, no,
3: no. yeah, De- derelict airship. Yeah, yeah.
1: And that begs its own question. It,
3: ask that guy yeah come on
1: creative creative chemistry guy how did you come up with that
2: this is my like only piece of creation uh i guess aside from the chemical side of the business yeah you know i i just we were playing around with a bunch of names it's one i you know i wrote down the list and uh it it tests well you know it's like (laughs) well the word
1: derelict's amazing word now what is an airship though is that a zeppelin is that a a blimp. What exactly is it? Next? Yeah, all, all like, of those are airships. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They so all fall into the airship What about category. a helicopter?
2: Well, dirigibles. You dirigibles. Have have an, an inflated, right. uh, you know, gas bag above yeah. your. Uh, device well, that's to called a, an airship. Are you talking usually.
1: about DC again? Because there's a lot of gas bags in DC. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah,
1: All right. Well, that's my. I'm, I'm done. So. No. But, I, that, but that's good. Uh, w- did you have any input in that? Or oh, I was just
3: going to say, I could easily qu- fall under the gas bag category. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's why they hired me. <laughs> hey, all right.
1: I like it. So I am being handed the first. We got some cold water in here already. Yeah. Nope. Oh, no, that, no, that's sorry, the absinthe. The, absinth
2: yeah, the white absinthe. Prepped some. So if, so if you have a
1: before you oh, absolutely. Yeah. I went, I believe me I dug into these bottles before you came. Oh, you did. Yeah, I did, what well, didn't taste them. I just sniffed them. Mm. Oh, it's lovely. It smells brilliant. What's the proof here before we dilute
2: them? That's 110. 110 the, right. for the for the white product.
1: And this you were saying is stainless
2: column distilled.
1: This guy? Is that right? No, it's it's pot distilled. Oh, pot distilled, sorry. Yeah, it's, it's oh, cause co- there's column no Column for the no,
2: initial, no, you know, grape spirit production. 1 to 1. Yeah. 1 to 1 work.
3: So that's somewhere around 1 to 1 ish or so. I sure. usually like mine I I'm a booze hound of the first order. I like, you know, undiluted things. Really? And I, well, 55 is not bad. 110 is not bad yeah, to well, drink but, by itself. But, uh, but like, uh, I actually prefer the Absinthe, like maybe one to five or more. Really? Yeah. Um, is it because Because the, the flavor is really, I mean, check it out.
2: The, the flavors shift as the dilution increases. Yeah. Which, because you're breaking oils
1: out of suspension. Exactly, right? Yeah. And so what kind of filter are we talking about after? Anything or just full oils, just particular filtering for, for the white
2: absinthe there's no filtering at all it's straight out of the still mm. it's it's brought to proof and then that's it mm. no way i'm not <laughs> more water that oh,
1: that's great you did a really good job man yeah and this it, is grape distill, yeah yes correct yeah man that's really really lovely nice luging it's it's a
2: little bit lighter than uh, some of the absinths are, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's it's we, we call it you know so it's kind of the same kind of thing that gins run into. It's like um, you you get concentration of the like identifying flavors, right? So you know it's um, let's say it's you know nineteen ninety, and you go to the store and you buy a bottle of of you know Beefeater gin sure. or something like that. Just you know it's it's the, it's one of three brands on the shelf, right? So they're producing it you know ten million gallons at a time in a you know place. What's the flavor in there? you get juniper, right? Juniper, it's it's true. almost entirely juniper. Yeah,
1: I get There's, orange and some coriander, yeah. of course, with those guys. But but yeah. it's,
2: it's almost, you know, it's the, the the main flavor. And, you know, especially when you start looking at the cheaper varieties, it's, it becomes more and more just
1: juniper. Absolutely, using compound oils and yeah. things. Yeah,
2: because yeah, it's cheaper to produce. You can go buy, you know, juniper oil for a fraction of the price that you'd pay to pack juniper various, into the still. Yeah. And, and it's actually, cleaner, easier, yeah. you don't have to waste. Uh, and, you know, the same thing has happened with absinthe over the, you know, decades and centuries that it's been produced is that you get uh, people are like oh well it's supposed to taste like anise and fennel so mm-hmm. we're going to make it taste like anise and fennel and you get these um these absinths that are so anise and fennel focused it's like an unsweetened ouzo you know yeah. it's like you pour yeah, water into really good. pour that's water good. into it and it just turns opaque white and right. you know, it's like it, it's it, like it looks limeade. yeah it looks like limeade like it's a completely opaque white liquid because of how much anise oil is in it how much of that yeah. you know those oils Well it's a, so here's
0: so
1: here's a testament to this and and so normally I think I'm tasting with with Pernod which is I think a, a, a grain yeah that's got to be a grain yeah, distillate pretty sure so so what you get in that one from my many of the experiences I've had with absinthe you get the graininess you get yeah. the crunchiness but this using a grape distillate what you do not get which is actually really wonderful is every bit of the flavor on the palate is ensconced with the flavors that you've imparted. So, in other words, yeah. the spirit itself is only a vehicle for these things, and it melds, yeah. gels together very perfectly.
2: Yeah, it's not washing the flavors. That's out.
1: Exactly right. Or even the back of the palate, the mm-hmm. finish is almost it's almost perfectly crisp. Yeah. So that I mean that's brilliant.
3: And that, and that's what we're, so like you know he talked about it for a while and he didn't have any or I guess you had like a tiny tiny amount from yeah. like a batch you'd made like two years prior or something, but like it it had been over a year since you'd made any and like there was just nothing on it you know and yeah. so he we, you know made a small batch so like i actually got to like see you know he got out his notes and like then it's i started amazing. to really see this thing right, right that he'd been sitting on for so all so
1: then time. was it did it become a not a not a try thing anymore and it became a do thing <laughs>
3: exactly <laughs> it's um, like that's the day well, i fell and, in love with him and then the, <laughs> well i wouldn't say that <laughs> uh that, that that happened long before but i was i was you know i was much more curious and interested once yeah. I, I had put the liquid to my lips, and I was like, Wait, this is what absinthe is supposed to taste like? Right. You, why didn't you tell me? You know, what's but you the deal? You know, yeah. But it's like, you know, you can't tell somebody what chocolate tastes like, you just can Sure, you
1: have to. What's a sea urchin taste like? Well, uh, <laughs> you're gonna have to kind of taste it. Pointy. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, besides what we would consider to, of the, the botanicals or of the herbs or whatnot that you're using that you will disclose, can you r- rattle off a couple for me?
2: Yeah. Oh, so uh, one of the other things I want to mention, too, is that um, uh, our anise and fennel levels are lower. And what that does, uh, what it allows you to do is, I don't know if you're experienced like something like Pernod is, you, your first sip, you get you get the anise and you get some of the other herbs, and yeah. then the anise just coats your tongue. That's right. And yeah. you just, like for the rest of the night, everything tastes like that. Mm-hmm. It's like smoking a cigar. Yeah, yeah, and right. I, I don't know if you noticed, but I feel that this does a lot less of that.
1: Oh no! The, you, you every don't, sip is complete, and it yeah. washes off my palate, and I'm refreshed. So I could shift to bourbon after this, yeah. and there would be no problem because there's no palate fatigue. Yeah, at all. That,
2: that was one of the things. Like just the the amount of that oil that's in most of the products is just so overpowering to all the other flavors. Yeah. Like your first sip, you get a bouquet, and then after that, it's just it's just a But that's a very cl- that's a very and, shrewd way to do it because you're thinking about the palate and you. Palate
1: fatigue is a real yeah, thing, Yeah, you know, and you want people to keep wanting to drink more of it. And for how light this feels, even though the depth of flavor is very, very nice, it's still, that's what you want. It's a really, really smart way to do it. Yeah. yeah and of very course, impressive.
2: you're going to find the, the typical three in it, you know, the, the three things that make uh, absinthe, absinthe, mm. anise, fennel, grand wormwood. Mm-hmm. So those are going to be present in all of them, whether they're white or green, uh, you know, I don't know about the stuff from Eastern Europe that, that falls into an entirely different category right. of things, but like a, a true absinthe contains those three things. And then just, just like, you know, like a gin has to contain juniper berries, and then the rest of the flavors are accessories. Yeah. So we just found it's other quarters. flavors that tie in. Sure. Things like things like mint and coriander. Mint, really? And um, there's... Uh, Any in, kind of uh, peels? Uh, so not in the white. Okay. There's, there's some lime in the green. Interesting. Okay. And... Um, You'll, you'll, you'll notice the flavor actually pretty strongly. So, how does uh, it, what, what the came green. first, the, the clear or the,
1: the classic, kind of less filtered? Version? Well,
2: you, you always end up with the clear first. Okay. The, the, the method oh, because you're doing the, the, the steps for making the absinthe is you, you macerate herbs in the. So, you, you have you know grape spirit, you produce that from distilling from grapes right. or from wine. You get grape spirit. You take that and you macerate uh, a batch of herbs in it, which is going to contain your an- anise wormwood and fennel mm-hmm. and other herbs. I think we have about. Twelve in the, in the white and about another six in the green oh, wow. on top okay. of that. And then you distill that. You, you macerate those for uh, you know, a, amount, a certain amount of time. Basically a gin. and that, If you think about it, like the process
1: is very similar to gin at that point.
2: Well, we don't use a gin basket, though. No, it's no. Not in, oh, it's,
1: but it's steep. It's, it's steep. Well, so beef eaters are steep. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like some gins
2: are. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And then we take this, which is now a, a dark green, almost you know, black uh, green uh, liquid. We put that in the still. We, we filter out the solids. We put oh, the sure. liquid in the still. Right, right. We distill that. Uh, and that produces, after it's been you know, brought to proof, the, the white spirit. And uh, then so, we take the white spirit at a second maceration of herbs. Wow. And then we filter that, and that's what becomes the green.
1: That's incredible. Yeah, so I mean, this is this is really, really interesting. So in terms of the branding perspective, are you going to have different... Obviously, there'd be different labels, but are you calling this something different?
0: Well,
3: so, um, yeah. Uh, you know, we were looking at doing like... And nothing's final until we've like all... You know, settled on it and it's mm. on the label and it's been approved. But um, but uh, so uh, Matthew Mancuso is Italian. Um, you
1: don't say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never believe it.
3: <laughs> um, and, you know, like we're in Texas doing, you know, absinthe where nobody really does that. Right. Nobody really does that in Italy either. Um, he's actually filing for his Italian citizenship. His sister already has it.
1: So now some of this makes a little sense. She uh-huh. said when I first met Jessica, she said, yeah, I've got this crazy Italian distiller. I'm like, yeah. oh, it's <laughs> this guy. Yeah. The, the very intelligent chemist.
3: Uh-huh. Okay, makes sense. You're not so, that crazy
1: yet. <laughs> no, but I haven't seen you sip a lot of absinthe just yet. So. Uh,
3: yeah, yeah, just wait. <laughs> um, no, so um, so I, you know, I my my job, my accountability yeah. with with the PR and the marketing and all that is is that um, that it passed the ugly American spelling test.
1: Okay, tell um, me more about that.
3: So, like test. when you're talking about um, uh, like French words, okay, then like okay, does it have the accent on the e or not? Uh, does it like so <laughs> How we're do looking at
2: Bordeaux, <laughs> right? <laughs> Bordeaux. So, uh-huh. <laughs> exactly,
3: and people will shy away from ordering things that they don't know how to pronounce.
2: That's a great point, or don't know how to spell. Sure,
3: right, and so I'm, you know, I started looking for. Okay, well, we could Americanize the Vert and Blanc and mm-hmm. go V E R T and B L A and C. Right, right, like that's fine. Sure, um, and that clearly communicates, right? Um, mm-hmm. But then um, once the sort of Italian part kind of, you know, I, I molded over for. All, we've been working on this for over a year now, like right. almost. Almost two years. Um, well, no, I guess it was... Whatever. It doesn't matter. So, um, you know, at some point along the line, we started looking at, like, what do we... You know, he, he talked about expansion products, like okay. grappa. Sure. Thing, yeah, know.
1: which you guys use in the, the grape distillate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Beautiful and, idea.
3: And, and limoncello. Um, oh, yeah, sure. So, like, when we started looking at this thing, I started thinking, well, how do we distinguish ourselves and, you know, make this uncomplicated? So right. um, where, where I'm uh, leaning is... Calling uh, the green Classica. Oh. And the white Prima. See, that's good. That pays a homage to the yeah, Italians, yeah. right?
2: Your parents will be mad. Yeah, Prima yeah, because it's much. first, and then Classica because it's traditional. Yeah, I, think, I think they both fit really well with, uh, with the products. Oh, man. So we have the, the green in front of him now. Thank
1: you. Thank you, Matthew. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: No, it's good, man. It smells great, too. I mean, I love the color, it's very, very inviting. And this is 75 it's no, no, 140 it's 140 70. okay yeah. close close so we're man you get a little more sweetness on the nose on this one mm-hmm. yeah this no, there's quite a bit more going
2: on in the in the green
1: and you go one-to-one on this one as well is that typically your style
2: you know you might want to go higher with the higher proof because yeah, like I, I actually
1: wanted the 110 to have less water because it was about right but i wanted just a little okay. more yeah, okay we'll try it one-to-one you can always add you more think that? yeah because yeah. that would then bring it down to what 35 percent, something like that
2: right? yeah
3: Yeah, my favorite way to have it is with Topo Chico. Topo? Yeah. Really? You, you mix it like yeah. one
2: to five, even to up, like up to one to ten with, a, with a, a soda water, like Topo Chico or something like that. Yeah. You end up with like an Italian soda kind of flavor to it. It's, it's oh, that's wonderful. crazy. It's Man, yeah. you know,
1: this is interesting. Okay, so there is a, it's a completely different experience yeah. on the nose. And I do get, and I, I wish I hadn't asked because I would have said, hey, is there citrus in here? Because <laughs> I'm getting peel now. Yeah, mm-hmm. A light
2: brightness to it that I didn't get. And, the... and you'll notice with the green that there's a, it's a fair bit more bitter. It's got, it's more astringent yeah. uh, mouth feel to it. All right, let's see here. Mm.
1: I like Everybody's looking at me. For those, <laughs> for those. I
3: love watching people's faces mm-hmm. when they taste it, especially like somebody who, you know, is maybe more skeptical or like me, you know, was like, I don't know about this. And then they take Yeah, yeah well,
1: I'm not I'm totally open. I've wanted to try this ever since we met. Actually ever yes, ever since Twitter. I was like yeah. I'd love to try this. If you guys know what you're doing, it'll taste good. And so far, the <laughs> the classica, as I was recalling it, beautiful. Very, very that's like an amazing cocktail, Absinthe. I would probably steal the bottle, but I know do not a lot. And <laughs> the this one is the complex. This is the iridite, this is the the James Joyce of the bunch, right? very verbose but, but but only because there's so much depth to it and i if you were to say like which one is closer to your heart Matt, is that is there is that fair the,
2: the green is definitely the the classica there that you have is is definitely the one that's like that that's that's so my green, baby green
1: is classica primo is the white yeah. so i flipped it okay
2: yeah. okay and um you know it's um the i would consider the white the the prima to be your your entry level it's going to be a lower price point yeah. uh, it's a lower proof it's you know it's it's got good you know, a good palate and, you know, good depth of flavor for what it is. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's like drinking, you know, a whiskey instead of a scotch, right. you know, it's, it's for somebody who maybe just be trying, you know, a, d- a dark liquor for their first time, you know, it's like, this is their first absinthe. The, the Prima is a great place to start. Yeah, you can get, you know, get appreciation for the flavors that are in there, get appreciation for the basic three that are in all the absinths. And then you can, you know, once you've had a taste for it and you get used to the way it feels in your palate, you can step up to a product like the Classica, the green. And the, again, you didn't much uh, more depth.
1: You didn't over oil it either. Yeah. It, it is very crisp on the palate. And the thing is, is you haven't sacrificed any flavor. Like it's still all that yeah. comes through it feels very balanced. I mean, the the only thing on the nose that's a little bit different is the brightness and that crispness of the citrus, which, again, I wish I hadn't asked. Cause it have, <laughs> you can smell it. I mean, you can really, really, yeah. Yeah. really get that, which well, is different so
3: yeah and um you know one of the things that I, I i've devoted myself to reading everything that's ever been written about absinthe and yeah. so a lot of the poets talked about the opaline interesting right? they, they, from a visual perspective or yeah actually, yeah, 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 they, yeah they called they didn't call it absinthe they called it opaline oh, because that's when you poured the water you know for the yeah. first like 100 years there wasn't like the whole sugar cube ritual and stuff it was just poured with water yeah and they you know watching those oils separate and and you know, kind of cascade, yeah. you know, and and it becomes, and you see the the white. I mean, even the the green is oh, still, still very does, opalescent. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, it doesn't. It, you know, so I, I I love that it it matches up with the the you know the the poets and the painters like with you know how they well
1: how they so romantic right. You know how do you how do you walk away from that? Absinthe has its place firmly in history yeah. as wonderful writers, wonderful painters, like really imbibing in it and it being a, the muse, the green muse for so many for people. Sure. You know, yeah. So when are we looking to? So as I've included myself in this, when are we looking to? <laughs> when, so what? What's the target market date now? You've got some formulas approved. You said, yeah, well, obviously you're you probably don't have to tweak anymore.
2: I mean, you always tweak because that's how you do it. But yeah, yeah. you're really there. Yeah, I, I, like I've had actually the the, the recipe is dialed in for quite some time now. Yeah. I've I've kind of you know stapled them down. I guess maybe like a year ago now, I really came up with like, th- this is the recipe. This is how I'm going to make it. These are the mm. steps. These are the, you know, the amounts of the herbs I'm using. Yeah. Um, at this point, you know, uh, the, the white we have the approval for, it's, it's all set except, you know, getting our labels done. Yeah. And then the green is, it's currently with the feds waiting for the formula approval, which is, you know. Probably yeah. next week. takes T- takes a
3: little longer to make the green, so we we submitted the white as soon as it was ready, and the green as soon as it was ready. Yeah. So a it's only like afterwards. ten,
1: yeah, yeah. It's great,
2: and uh, yeah, so you know, so we should have all of our um, you know formula approval stuff done you know, by the end of the month here. Um, hopefully, I'm- labels by the end of September. I think we can have labels like done and into the feds. And they've been running a pretty quick turnaround on labels yeah. recently. It's about so. twenty days right now. Yeah, nice. so I think that we can maybe like have our first first batch to our distributor before the end of the year. So have you guys already hooked up with a distributor? We've talked with a few actually. We've had
1: uh, anybody no. you can talk. I mean, we we all know those guys. Right. So. Yeah.
3: Uh, I mean, like Favorite Brands is the one that's sure. like the I think I think our, our best candidate. they are plenty yeah. like, for the know, local plenty market. Of, definitely. Plenty of people. Yeah. yeah. Plenty of people. Um, you know like saw us on the registry and we're like we want to represent you a lot which of the small really small guys yeah,
1: yeah. it's it's a, that whole a- area of the business is change, shifting profoundly too yeah which yeah. is really
3: exciting it is
1: exciting it's it's weird because how do you guys feel about what's going to really happen with what people call cl- craft distilling how do you, do you think it's going to still ride its success its wave of success for another five years do you think it's going to stop short how do you think you know if you go? if you
2: look at the way the the craft uh, brewing industry is going; it's still rising. Yeah. You know, it, it it started about ten years earlier than liquor did because of the change in laws uh, behind brewing. Yeah, and uh, you know they're still riding the wave up, and you know I think that craft distilling is just you know they're they're just picking up now. So you know I I'd say there's you know a good another decade or so before it's you know even at the level that craft uh, brewing is now.
1: Yeah, how do you feel about being the first? in texas macerated in texas absent
2: that's gonna be something you know yeah yeah you know it's 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 a great place to do business it's yeah. uh, you know a great state for local you know homegrown products the uh, the, the made in texas thing is just so big right now within the state
3: well um, and i as an actual texan yeah. rather than some carpet bagging <laughs> yankee actually how many years it deep tip? sense of pride yeah. Yeah.
1: no it's crazy because people don't expect that from texas they don't expect European savvy. They certainly don't expect an Italian chemist to come and do these things. So, what does the launch look like for you guys? What if you could? Do, is it a party? Is it an article? What? How's that coming together? Not that you're there yet, but like, I can imagine it's like a wedding day well, set, mean, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Right?
3: Well, I mean, for me, um, you know, so I, I am an artist, and I, you know, mm. the like the whole the the muse that that legacy of absinthe is very like. That's real for me. Right. Um, so you know, I I see, yeah, like a party, uh, or like a series of parties. Like yeah. I want, I want, you know, it's it's always. A, I mean, I'm I'm kind of wherever I am is kind of a party. But um, she brings <laughs> but the like party want, with her. Oh um, <laughs> yeah.
1: As he says, like crossings, like goddamn
3: it. <laughs> I, I didn't catch any goddamn
1: it. No, <laughs> he's happy it for was to, body language. He's happy
3: there. for me to take it elsewhere. Yeah, but that's helpful for the brand. You got to oh, admit fantastic. that, right? Yeah.
1: Like, yeah, to have natural talent—they yeah. can walk into a room, and be like, "We're going to do this," and you guys are going to really be intrigued.
2: Yeah, she can get a glass in everybody's hand. Yeah, that's right. it's it's a great uh, addition to the business.
0: Yeah,
3: and I just see a lot of um, sort of complementary things in like what's already available among the community in music mm-hmm. and in arts and in performance. You know, like I want you know. Little sort of fairy mimes running around and screwing with people at the party. Yeah, that <laughs> <Nah, it laughs> yeah. works for sure. You know what I mean? Like I, I want, you know, it's so much fun. It's so it's so light and and engaging, and you know, and there's all kinds of really great. I mean, absinthe plays well with everything. So it does you know, with gin, with tequila, with rum, with you know whiskey. Like it, it goes it goes everywhere. Are so. you gonna play
1: up the the Texas thing and how it's branded and everything?
3: For Texas, for sure. Yeah. Um. I mean, like that's. I mean, you know, it could be. It could be not nearly as good as <laughs> as you think it is, and uh, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> and people would buy it anyway because it's made in Texas. You know, like that's 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 an easy. Like, that's that's an easy You shop. guys over
1: delivered. I'll put it that way. Yeah, you know, totally like... over delivered. My my expectations <laughs> for sure. You know, but it does take kind of a crazy chef, chemist guy man to make this kind of happen with such a detail and have kind of like have a, a narrative and, and a vision about what it should taste like because this is not derivative. It feels like it is really a nice fresh take on it, although paying, you know, dues to the classic European style. Yeah,
2: you know, the, the recipe was pulled from, you know, I was mostly looking at, you know, recipes from the 17 and 1800s. Yeah. And I just, I, I found maybe a dozen different recipes from, you know, old books, manuscripts, stuff like that. Yeah. And I just, I picked the things that I liked from. I said, you know, and I tried a bunch of different recipes. I probably... You know, tried a dozen at least of, you know, a little bit with of this, a little, a little bit of that. The
3: little one liter desktop still. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah,
2: little little chemistry glassware set. I knew it. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got some spoiled uh, beer in the fridge. Yeah. You, you <laughs> and, you know, it's, you know, the, the first batches, I would just go buy, uh, you know, a box of, you know, cheap wine. Yeah. Would you, for, you pour, would pour, pour it in the still? Oh, that's funny. Distill out my own grape spirit. See, that's the you know, thing. it's like, like you can't buy you can't like go buy bulk grape spirit, you know. No, it's, it's like, hard. You, you gotta have a license. I can bonding. I can buy Everclear at the liquor store, but I can't sure. buy Grape Spirit at the no, liquor. No, I know, store. it's terrible. Well, it's a travesty <laughs> to <laughs> I guess yeah. upcoming grape distillate people. Right? Yeah, and it's I can't go buy it from a grape distiller because yeah. I, I don't have a license and I can't D- order dude. it from them. So you well, know it's until we we're yeah. And now well now I do, yeah. But you know when we first well better
1: watch out now. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, like when we first got our uh, our, our you know uh, license to distill, then we you know we were waiting months on our first transfer and bond to come through. I know She's telling me, to and you know so it's, we're sitting with our hands in our pockets waiting almost three months on that. So I just went to the store and bought some boxes of wine and made my own grape spirit because you know I we can just sit on our hands for those months while we're waiting for to, to come it's in. Amazing. It's amazing when you're back to against the wall, you learn how to do yeah. make
1: do. You know, yeah. They, and it comes to mind. So, you know the so I'm drinking the Classica now, and then the Primo is the white. I flipped. I got that right. I love those words. They're perfect. I think until I can visualize it with colors and stuff. When you guys have yeah, the labels, that's gonna the first, pump the Primo, the, Prima, the, white,
3: the yeah. first, Classic, ah, the Classic classica.
1: Absinthe. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, homage to this. So once this is out and people are loving it, and you've got good placements, all the stuff that you'd worry about as a business, a new distillery. For you, Matt, is there any moment or any person that somehow can give you the affirmation that, like, you did it, man? Like someone that taps you on the back and is like, if they said it, it would count. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what – it probably matters what Jessica says. But (laughs) ultimately, like, the guy that – if he's like, all right, okay. I'm a skeptical Italian dude from Texas, but
2: (laughs) but you did it. Is there a guy like that for you? You know, not really, I don't think. Yeah. You know, just, just when, when somebody like Jessica, who, you know, had the idea that they couldn't stand absinthe, right. enjoys a glass of it is, is a lot of vindication. For, I just for me. enjoyed one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like when, when I first offered her a glass of it, she was like, I will absolutely not drink that. <laughs> I, I convinced Jeez. her to take a sip. And, and since then, she's uh, become quite the fan. It's amazing. And,
1: you know, uh,
3: it says on my business card, brand evangelist, because there is no zealot like a convert.
1: That's a great point. And once she sipped it, she connected with it and you changed her life much like the metaphor. it's a beautiful metaphor for your relationship. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it <laughs> that's always the note you want to end on. <laughs> Give people something like, Man, I could I just wish I was working with the person that I loved, you know. Anyway. Aww. But this is brilliant. You guys have done a wonderful job and I suspect hopefully before the holiday season you guys will have your first bottles out. Yeah, we that's where that, sure.
2: would love to have happen.
1: Brilliant, I know you'll connect with the right distributors. And let me know, please, whatever I can do, this is a wonderful conversation. It's been great hanging out with you guys, and the product is just lovely. So you did a really good job. Even if there is no guy, Matt, I'm telling you right now. I'm, there's a guy for me. See, well, who's your guy then? Um,
3: so, so the reason that, that um, Absinthe is back in, in the United States mm-hmm. is because Ted Bro did some science. Okay, that's Um, hard. hard, So, uh, yeah, like the the proof that they took to the TTB that there was no Thujone. So it wasn't actually legalized, right? I'm I'm trying to get him to stop saying that because it's not actually that Absinthe was legalized. That's true. Uh,
2: Illicit substance, right? Yeah, the the, the ban was placed on Thujone content. Thujone was considered the the thing that made people go crazy Mm -hmm. in Absinthe. And, uh, yeah, Ted Bro did mass spec analysis of classic Absinthe. And he figured out that there wasn't any Thujone in absinthe. The, the idea that there was was incorrect. Mm. And so he proceeded to then make a batch of absinthe, which, you know, in, in the traditional ways, which had no Thujone in it. He brought it to the TTB and proceeded to um, change
1: your
3: mind. Yeah.
2: Say, like, well, look, this doesn't have any Thujone in it. Can we sell this in the U.S. and call it absinthe?
3: And he's a like a chemist who Uh. turned to distilling after getting interested in absinthe. So he's like... It's you know, amazing, like the closest thing to this guy yeah. <laughs> that I know of. And um, where do you find him? Where um, do you find him? Well, I tried to run into him in New Orleans at Tales of the Cocktail. Yeah. I ran into Dale DeGroff, and I gave him you my. You run card into and... Dale all the
1: time, I think. <laughs>
3: yeah, um, but uh, yeah, so try- trying. <laughs> um, I, I've, I've got a, an, an email introduction to one of the people who works for him. So that's amazing. Uh, so hopefully, I'll be able to. To I don't know.
1: Maybe that's what my gift will be back. Something after yeah. letting me try this amazing absinthe, is that I'll try to get you hooked up with that.
3: I would love that.
1: We'll see. It's, like people, that. it's all about respect, right? Like, I don't think anybody respects me, so it may be a hard time. <laughs> 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 well, we'll have to see. So. But yeah,
3: I would, I would love to get these two, him and that guy in yeah. a room together, because there's nobody who can nerd out like another chemist. Oh my on, gosh. On the it, is the war,
1: it is like the most boring thing to watch. <laughs> but it is the most engaging thing to be involved
3: in. Right. It's like watching
1: a Michelangelo Antonioni movie. That's a joke for those deep film fans. <laughs> Slow as shit, but I'm sure you had a lot of fun shooting it. Terrence Malick, same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a nightmare to watch, but
3: <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, I yeah. I would enjoy it so much. That's so,
1: well, it's great. I think that's great. I I really think it's going to do well, and I think you guys are looking to expand, of course,
2: glo- globally, even like
1: kind of bringing your perspective into
2: Europe.
3: I intend to take over the world. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's, it's actually been really interesting seeing how many people have been following our Twitter account that are in England. Oh, yeah, London England is London is Those guys absence. are
3: really
1: into gins, craft spirits, yeah. absinthe. It's it's amazing. And uh, actually, one of our
2: business partners is currently over there in uh, is it, he's in Manchester, uh, uh, Birmingham, Birmingham, Birmingham. Birmingham okay. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, he's got we got a foothold in the. Uh, in the UK you're yeah, he's, he's to married over. to a
3: Brit and living there and he's about to have his Italian citizenship so one way or another we're making it into the,
2: the European market is, <laughs> is,
3: maybe both ways because now that now that Brexit is you know a thing. yeah we may we may need both Italy and the UK and you're to playing this both happen. sides it is yeah. a brilliant maneuver <laughs> and
1: you guys again I can't compliment you enough on the work really good choice with a grape distillate very balanced, and it's something that's incredibly pleasurable. It's just it's just pleasurable to drink, and that's what it comes down to. Really, really enjoyed it. So, Matt, Jessica, thank you so much for spending time with me, and let me know if you need anything, please. Oh, sure. Thanks. Guys. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for having, for having
0: us.
3: You. That was the best idea I had for a while. But we were also trying to figure out a way to say that we were uh, a Texas brand because while um, you know we're you know the first to make absinthe and bring it to market in Texas. Uh, I just didn't want to say like Texas, <laughs> you know? right? It
1: doesn't match, right? You're talking about a European spirit that has to yeah. fit in a cow boot, wearing <laughs> shit kicking <laughs> s- state, right? Kind of. It doesn't have to be that way, but right,
3: right. But 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 overall, like that, you know, we wanted to find a way to express that without uh, just being like you know, hill country, right? Because uh, that's just not gonna. It doesn't read, you mm. know. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, doesn't. No, it it doesn't quite do the thing, um, and so we just sort of. Um, chewed on that for a while and i was out with my mother in uh wimberley we'd gone out to the glassworks out there and we Mm. were driving through the hill country at sunset and you know the there are a few different sort of uh tales of why the uh, austin is the city of the violet crown yeah
1: yeah, tell um, me. I've been here a while, but I'm not really familiar with that term.
3: Right. It's, so, like, the Big Apple is a much more famous sure. city nickname, you know. Um, Big so, Easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so Austin's the city of the Violet Crown ever since the 1890s or so. Uh, o. Henry wrote a short story that was published in The Rolling Stone mm. uh, where he, um, he talks about people arriving at a party, you know, and something, something, something in the city of the Violet Crown, And uh, so basically when uh, Austin, uh, like Austin fancied itself the Athens of the South after the University of Texas was founded. Yeah. And Athens is actually the original city of the Violet Crown. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. So those are the two cities that have that nickname. Interesting. Um, And uh, so it's a little bit kind of tongue in cheek for me because... you know as a native Austinite, I am acutely aware of how much Austin is big for its bridges, right? And <laughs> yeah. fancies itself, you know, greater things than it is, or at least, you know, like, it, like all sort of Texas um uh lore, you know, yeah. it's like this big grand thing when it's like, well, it's just you know, it's Austin, yeah. Um, so and and in fact, uh there's uh, at least one account of uh, somebody talking about O. Henry's story where they, they think that that was a little bit tongue-in-cheek, like that he was oh, kind of no poking kidding. fun at, at these people going to this fancy party and thinking that they're so fancy. <laughs> uh, Social so time. <laughs> yes, so I love it so much. And it also, you know, I really love this city, and I really think it is a little slice of heaven. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and if you look at the rest of Texas and sort of the, you know, uh, like the – Intellectual and uh, you know technological development and all the you know, all the things that happen in this town, it really is kind of this you know beacon for people. It's, sure,
1: you know. an oasis.
3: Yeah, exactly. So I you know I think it both deserves and doesn't deserve the title.
1: <laughs> you know I like I, mean? <laughs> I like it's a kind of a joke on itself, but yet an honest one. Yeah, you know?
3: exactly, exactly. So um, so you know we're driving through the hill country and we're talking about you know the violet crown and she's like, why don't you know we've been trying to you know figure out how, some way to make it a about where it's from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, she's like, well, why not the Violet Crown? I was like, can we do that? And, uh, you know, so we've... I mean, there's the the bar and the uh, movie the theater. theater and yeah. the trail and there's a realty company and a sports club and a bunch of stuff. So, like... So, it's um, it's there. People understand that term. Exactly. Um, So, it's... Uh, uh, you know, it's not as, like, well-known, but it is yeah. definitely a thing. Um, so, and there was
1: an... It, this epitome, a moment, you kind of went back to some historical piece, and then it's all kind of starting to make sense.
3: Yeah, and what was great was, you know, so I just researched the bejesus out of things, yeah, right? sure. Um, and uh, so I started really looking into this, and um, there's some really interesting sort of historical uh, connections. Mm-hmm. So um, our location is in Bastrop. Um, my great-grandmother was born in Bastrop. Um And she eventually moved to the big city of San Antonio. Yeah. And she and her husband eventually had, uh, their their last name was Blue. They had Blue and Blue Printing. And Blue and Blue (laughs) Printing did most of the, um, like, uh, uh, press, you know, printings for the Democratic Party in San Antonio.
1: Oh, interesting. Flyers, handbills. Yeah, exactly.
3: So, um, uh, meanwhile, there's a woman named Clara Driscoll, D-R-I-S-C-O-L-L, not Mm. like the hotel. Like
1: the Strawberries. <laughs> yeah. I, I think so. I, don't, yeah, yeah.
3: I don't know that they're actually related to those Driscolls, but yeah like the spell <laughs> spelled that way for sure. And uh sh- her estate is now Laguna Gloria. Oh okay. Um and she was this incredibly powerful woman who like she had three different husbands all of whom were like diplomats and yeah. whatnot. Um and but she was the one who like threw the parties and funded the political campaigns and stuff and she spent a lot of time in San Antonio um and uh and you know had her residence in Austin and you know she's pretty pretty big time mm-hmm. this this i i really wish that i could have gone to like one of her parties it would I have know. been really Sounds I mean, pretty like, good right um but uh yeah so she founded the violet crown gardening club which still meets every month at the zilker botanical gardens really yeah in 1924 Jeez. right so um by the time she was like doing these like big she was also part of the uh group that um Preserve the Alamo. There was like the Daughters yeah. of the Texas Revolution, and wow. she was one of the the le- you know leaders of that sort of committee and whatnot. Yeah. Um. So she has a really big impact. So I think given her political like you know involvement sure. in San Antonio and the fact that my great-grandmother and grandfather ran that printing company, they probably did business together. I bet. <laughs> so, like, there's, like, you know, co- you know, our connection to Bastrop with my f- family history, right. and then, like, the... The printing, the, the, yeah.
1: the debutante wanting to... I mean, it is all related. Yeah. And it took you guys how long to shift gears. So, you know, we talk about label approval. There's these details people yeah. don't really understand behind the process. So once... How long did it take you to say, this is how... It looks, we've designed it exactly well, as we
3: want. So we've done actually probably like 85% of the work um, mm-hmm. since September of last year because that's when we got our loan and we could actually buy the equipment right. and pay people to do things like label design. Um, and uh, let's see. Yeah, we had to get our formula approval and all that stuff and that came not that long before the... the um, Loon came through. Gotcha. And uh, so, starting in like late September, we started like dealing with, you know, what's Real this label going so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what's this label going to look like. And um, so, the process our our designer typically does is she'll give you three options, and then you know she develops those three things, mm-hmm. gives you a, a mock up, and then you pick one, and then you do three rounds. Like that's her basic mo. Yeah. And uh, so we had sort of this like. Um, like apothecary sort of like a Victorian era more thing yeah. um that had been sort of like the, the partner's ideas and then um we've been working with uh, chris Mueller um who's been mostly a writer in the industry for a really long time, but mm. she 's also just like you know she her her like institutional knowledge of like the uh, like in, in of the industry yeah. right not of any particular institution but like just overall spirits and, yeah, yeah. and you know how people interact with those things and Uh, how they sell and whatnot Um, so she was fantastic she's like okay guys I'm gonna go and I'm gonna pull together a panel of industry people and do like a focus group Mm -hmm. and uh, so she did and you know they looked at the stuff that we'd put together and they gave us some really straight up critique like so valuable right like i want to hear i want to hear all the things that you don't like and all the things that don't work and know? i'm
1: not gonna cry about it <laughs>
3: exactly exactly i would rather <laughs> it's ha- the hardest part, i'm gonna yeah. get excited about well because i'm not really att- i've never really been attached to exactly what it should look like sure uh i just want it to be a, i just want it to be great yeah and like i don't care about the color palette and you know all that's so, like i, I just want to find the thing that works right you know totally. um so uh <laughs> um i yeah how so, was the
1: feedback originally?
3: Um, so they were like, you need to bring it more modern. Um,
1: Which is ironic, given it's paying homage to the past and it's more historical. Looking. Well,
3: more modern than the era that we'd selected.
1: I see. Okay. Yeah,
3: you no. Know? so they were like, bring it up to like Art Nouveau or something. <laughs> <you know?
1: laughs> yeah, they named it a specific <laughs> More of the
3: Mooka than like, right. <laughs> you know. That's funny. Um, and uh, and what else did they say? They, you know, they're like, don't use green. You know, that's too obvious. Yeah. Um, and I kind of agreed with that, you know. Gold is a um, good
1: choice here.
3: I uh, thank you, thank you. Well, also, um, you know, New Orleans is black and gold. Yeah, I'm a Saints fan, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it really like, yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of like subtle like parts about that. You know, it's not because it's New Orleans or right. something, but but it definitely fits there. You know, um, but yeah, they they um, you know were just sort of like don't don't do that, and don't do that. Basically, all the things that you're gonna do, don't do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> do this instead. <laughs> Uh, and it was some really, really great stuff. They had some very specific things to say about yeah. exactly what we do you know um and uh it was really fantastic and and you know the um the derelict airship, you know the distillery name really is very specific to a kind of a niche thing that's gonna appeal to like millennials who are into like you know, steampunk.
1: Steampunk. Yeah. Um
3: so that's like a very small market segment. And we sure. really wanted to go more places. So I mean like,
1: Absence is smart small segment in itself. So you want to include as many people as possible, right?
3: Right, right. Make it make it accessible yeah. and, and sexy. Um yeah. so uh so we started dealing with okay, here's here's the the next set of stuff, right? So we had two options now okay. for our designer. And because she'd been working with us for a while and um and she really like she knew the product, she knew us, she knew what we were trying to do and yeah. she's done several other like product launch you know packages before she's sure. d- designed something from nothing before uh, we just gave her the third option all unto herself and um and this was uh maybe like a a couple of weeks uh after we'd given her the options to 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 work on mm-hmm. uh we came up with the violet crown spirits got it uh, so like right at the tail end <laughs> when she that's had, easy change at least when she
0: picks <laughs> here, the font here's out here's a whole it.
3: entire concept that, yeah. like you know you had nothing for the last like couple of weeks that you've been working your ass off on this here go with that um but luckily she'd left her own uh option as the last one to do and uh so she ended up with this beautiful design which we loved um but uh like the the thing that that Came out looking overall best was the the option based on the, uh, the, the feedback from the panel. Interesting. Uh, the focus group yeah. option. Um So and and she'd gone you know so like the 1930s were a throwback to like they had a lot of uh, ancient Greek stuff. Like oh, that's, absolutely. That's, you yeah. Know, so like so she and and of course I talked about you know, the goddess Artemis, right? Mm. Namesake of Artemisia absinthium. Sure. So she puts her, you know, with her hunting dog and a patch of Artemisia absinthium on the yeah. label, and it's like, ding! It oh my God, sense. how did we not think of this, you know? Like, a, I couldn't have made it up. That's literally why, you know, you have to hire a designer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, but then she also did this crown element um, that was like at the top of the bottle design, you know, the the, the, the front uh, top element was this crown and Mm. so we just like scooted the bottom line of the crown down and put violet crown spirits in it and boom there's our logo
1: yeah it made sense
3: you know and so we pulled that element from her like you know solo you know go go be free go design and then put brought that into the um you know, like whatever was on the top of this doesn't, didn't quite fit right. for us. And then so we just added that thing in and boom, it was Starts done. Starts
1: making sense. Yeah. Well, so if you were going to do this again, before we talk about kind of like you finally got these bottles in your hand, thinking about that design phase. If you're going to go do this again, what things might you change?
3: Oh, um, well, I mean, the... It turns out that a lot of the sort of hindrances that feel really frustrating yeah. or whatever turned out to like give us a lot of time to, like I said, chew on things. Sure. Um, like, I don't know that I would change anything about that. Like, being stuck in that space and just having to, like, let that rattle around in your brain for a while yeah. kind of, like, made... I, I feel like that that's sort of a similar thing with, like, songwriting. Is like mm. you have to... Um, because uh, you know, as a songwriter it's sort of a way I relate to a lot of things in my life yeah sure um, is it like sometimes you know like a, a great ideal will just boom show up uh, but mostly it's like chewing on it and 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 futzing with it and you know playing it a gazillion times and then being like mm, no I really don't like every time I get to that part I don't like it I need to change that right, part right. you know um, and you only have that when when there's like no um, possibility for like, like like the deadline's too far ahead or you're waiting on something yeah you know? Um and I mean the only thing that I think would be would have been nicer for us is if we'd had the money sooner and we could have started that process earlier because sure, yeah. who knows what we could have done if we'd had like months more to like make it happen right um but but we, you know it like it was so perfect the way it all worked out yeah. for me like I, I don't know that there's anything about it that I, well, would I like change. that I'm
1: glad that that phase ended up working kind of serendipitously the time was good mm-hmm. feedback was good
3: yeah that's that's like that was just. Completely invaluable, like yeah. you know, the, these people, and they and they like volunteered their time. Like, yeah, just- it's
1: amazing, and I'm I'm hoping you know when I think about this again, this is a very very interesting and important part and point in time in this business, right? And I think it's important for people to understand how this process goes because this doesn't have to be about spirits. This could be about anything, right? Right. And so now you've went through this process of which you've brought the aesthetic to this wonderful tangible form there were delays with bottles these are things to always expect right delays and parcels and shipments mm-hmm. but getting that first case bottled and getting that first complete product in your hand tell me how that moment felt
3: i, I wouldn't even say that it was like a moment like because there was uh there was such a huge like the, the ship first shipment of bottles came in and like 70 percent of them were unusable yeah uh so there's like you know the 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 that there i guess there was a moment at the end of the day where we'd finished bottling like the first like I guess know, 60 the, cases yeah, or something right. and we'd put the stickers on and we'd like sealed the things and put the you know labels on the boxes and everything mm. and and then we just like we set aside our first six bottles as like you know Distiller gets number one. Yeah, you know, Chris gets number two. I get number three. You know, yeah, <laughs> like that's that's a uh,
1: commemorate the time. Yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. And then we set that aside, and you know, I took a photo of the box and everything. But there, then it's like back to the back into the sweaty warehouse. Right. You know, like there was like there might have been like a moment where that was a thing, but otherwise yeah. it was just sort of like and now I got all this other shit to deal with.
0: <laughs> and how
1: and how was the obviously you know you and I talked a bit about this process of finding a distributor. How would you just describe that process was it tiring was it serendipitous again meeting the right people well uh
3: i mean at, uh from the very earliest time like i'd met um you know reps from different distributors sure. and i think really the 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 overarching trajectory was like uh well, I wouldn't even say there was an overarching trajectory. Honestly, there was just sort of like meandering through and like talking to everybody and having conversations and and mostly just sort of learning about what that whole side, right. that that whole tier is about. Like yeah. it's different
1: and, set of objectives. for Oh that, yeah, you know? completely.
3: And and we're sort of blind to a lot of that stuff walking mm. in. So um, so we're like, okay, I I know I'm taking all the fun out of the negotiation for you, but right. I have no idea what you do or like what all the costs involved to you. Like I don't know what totally, your process is right. like. I don't know what that's, you know, I don't know how what I price my bottle at is going to affect. I don't know how like standardized your markups are. Right. And I don't know what your process for like dealing with, uh, you know, retailers are and stuff. Like, I don't know, I don't know any of that shit. Right. So, uh, so talk to me. And so, what I found is that like mostly people are really, you know, generous about the information that they gave and, um, and, and everybody knows everybody. And, you know, yeah. like, you know, it's, it's easy to, um, to like have conversations with people, and then sometimes I'd walk away from those conversations more confused than when I got there. Mm. Um, and so, basically, uh, you know, we ended up coming to to um, our like conclusion of like who we should go with, um, you know, based on a few a few things. But one of them was uh, like I. I was really clear about what they do, what their strategies are, what their markups like, what their, you know, plan is and yeah. w- and what our relationship is going to look like, what they're going to be doing over there, what I'm going to be doing over here, what we will do when we're working together, like, you know, that that was all a very clear picture for me and right. so that was like it was really easy to say, ah, I know what the fuck is going on over here. I'm going to do that. <laughs> so, um and uh and yeah, like there's just, you know, uh, some of our uh what could be options for us? I think are a little more limited because of how tiny we are and how tiny our budget is and stuff. Yeah. Like there are places where we could maybe fit into a portfolio, but we would have to have a much larger marketing budget. I see. And we just don't have that. So.
1: So we, you start. I mean, this is the thing that's kind of again, it's like really important information. Ultimately, you guys are working with true distribution. Yeah, Texas True. Yeah. Ross R- Trumonte. Ross Tremonte,
3: the hardest working man in distribution. Yeah, I
1: need to talk to him. Still, he seems like an interesting guy working he for is. the small small guys. Yeah. Do you think that having because this is a choice many distillers, brewers, even are going to have to really make was were the big guys really an attractive option for you, or would you much rather prefer with the guy that has less resources but can really really work hard for you?
0: Well,
3: yeah. That's the thing. Is like I I, I can uh, I know that he's got the time. Uh, you know because he's only got so many things in his portfolio I mean yeah. he's constantly bringing new things on sure. or consistently anyway, I don't know about constantly. Mm. Um, but you know he's uh, he's growing like he first knocked on our door uh, metaphorically speaking uh, when we like hit the the lists like when our um, distillers permit. Yeah. Uh, I think just application. Uh, showed up. Uh, maybe maybe it was after we were approved. In any case, we showed yeah. up on some list in the Texas, in the, you know the TABC's sure. like distillers list, and he called us within the first like week or something. Wow. Um. And and that was two years ago now. So oh, I didn't realize it was so long ago. Yeah, we started renting our um, our yeah. I think it was after we'd rented the space. It would have been almost two years ago. It was mm-hmm. like August of 2015 when we started renting the warehouse. Sat empty for thirteen months. huh? Yeah, uh, <laughs>
1: yeah. That's a piece I think people should realize is you've got to have a contract signed for a lease before TABC will even review this. Yeah, book.
3: yeah. Because um, people and businesses don't get permits to distill spirits; addresses do. That's right. Yeah. So as soon as we move, we have to get a new permit.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. crazy.
3: Yeah, it's loony, and, and it's and it's terrible trying to do this as a small business because you're supposed to be able to prove uh, your, you know. Business history yeah. uh, to get a loan. And we have uh, no business history. And we have no business history. Yeah. And we don't have a, an option to do that until we have the money to do the thing.
1: I know. It's very frustrating.
3: Yeah. We, I mean, it's it's frustrating for any small business to do that, like even, you know, like completely other categories. But we we have some pretty serious barriers to entry yeah. as oh, yeah. uh, distillers for Ab- sure. Absolutely. Uh,
1: when did the first bottle hit? store shelves. I saw there was some at the Austin Shaker. From yeah, that was the first that. one yeah. uh, when, and that was what, like that... a week and a half ago maybe? Was oh, that it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's incredible.
3: Yeah, so our um, uh, so Ross picked up the first order from our distillery uh, what, like the second to last Wednesday in June? Yeah. Something like that? Uh, now you're starting to see Or maybe your... like the 16th or 17th of June. So, um, and then it like you know started going out, to like people ordered it and then like the next week uh, he started making deliveries so that would have been the Austin shaker yeah. and then whoever else and then i think in the, the the next week in the next week more people started ordering it sure. cuz we've started to actually like go and beat the bushes and give people tastes and and stuff so um i think it uh i think it's now at j and j spirits they mm-hmm. sold their first bottle last week oh, um cool. Uh, I get, you know, you know because I have, like, the friends out there, sure. like, I get, you know, a little nuggets of information. Yeah, yes. Somebody yeah. texted me a picture of the bottle. Um, uh, Jared Lindsay at the Firehouse Lounge yeah. sent me a picture when he got his bottle. So it was the first picture I've seen of it with, like, a TABC sticker on it. Yeah, that's amazing. Like, in a bar, and I'm like, How, how does that make you feel? <laughs> that's where I get really that's excited. Where you get so yeah, excited. for sure, for sure. Um, and, yeah, so we, we've we been waiting until that was actually, you know, it was actually out in the, in the wild yeah. uh, before we wanted to really start pushing... Like sending out, uh, you know, notices to our mailing list, right. and you know, trying to like post things on Facebook and stuff. So, um, uh, yeah. So probably this evening, the partners will go out uh, to the firehouse lounge, and uh, and I think they Partake. should have it. Yeah, and and I think they should have it at um, Midnight Cowboy. Oh, killer! Uh, so there's at least two places that I I'm pretty sure. Like one I'm absolutely sure, and then yeah. the other places I'm pretty sure should have it by now. Uh, so we can actually go out and drink our stuff at a bar. And oh my god, That's like a great, <laughs> yeah,
1: wigging <now>, out, nerd <laughs> now, you know. Yep. How do you feel as a person? This is two years plus in the making. And you're finally here, we're sipping it in the final beautiful packaging. Thank you. Obviously, the juice was always good from what I'd had. How are you different now? Because I, I have a feeling it's changed your perspective on a few things and or the way you feel about business or the way that you feel about money.
3: Ooh. um, I mean tired <laughs> yeah right <laughs> I'm more tired I mean you know you go through sort of waves of excitement and despair yeah uh, you know uh, we were uh, you know par- part of the reason also that we went with Ross is because we knew we could get going right away mm-hmm. and you know other places you know the distributors don't need us we need them that's right yeah. um, so you know but like part of the thing was like we knew that he would pick it up like the the, the Wednesday after you know, whenever we got our paperwork through, like yeah. he would be coming through and picking up a, an order, and it wouldn't necessarily be as big as an order from a, a different distributor, but it would it would go. Yeah, for and, sure. And and our fiscal cliff was swiftly approaching. Yeah. And you know that that one order moved our fiscal cliff about a month and a half. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> well, so I mean, it, it, those
1: are real things. Yeah. yeah. Are you? How's your health holding up? That was something to be perfectly honest really suffered for me.
3: Mm, um, I don't know. I've, I have definitely, since we've launched, I've definitely um, hit points of exha- exhaustion yeah. more frequently than I have, but still not too much. I'm pretty, I used to run myself really ragged mm. uh, in my 20s and like had a bit of an existential and also just logistical crisis, uh, you know, sort of living a, a solo uh, young. Professional's life in DC, Um, and so like I I tend to be pretty good about getting enough sleep and eating, and you know I I try to really listen to like what my body needs. But um, you know at this point, I'm like I feel like I'm gonna be two weeks behind everything for the rest of my life. Um, And you know, and because there are so many little um, uh, barriers and and hurdles along the way, like for example, uh, like twin. Um, picks us up mm-hmm. they were they're in the system but then somebody goes to order it and then they look at the system and they're like oh it's out of stock yeah it's like well it. it's in the system but you don't have any yet because you were waiting until you got orders to order an actual case of stuff right so it's not that you're out of stock it's that you haven't gotten the bottles at all ever yeah. so do that now but like the right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing, yeah, doing and, uh, and 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 that's not the case for like you know the entirety of the business but like you know one person will be like oh no no we're gonna make this happen and then you know other people are like oh but it's just it's out of stock yeah you know so there's no that's a good lesson for people
1: the stock piece and keeping everybody integrated wait so these are six packs yep 750s Mm -hmm. these are i think details are important what's Mm -hmm. the retail price of a bottle the
3: retail price will be about 90 maybe a little higher so um,
1: give or take 5 10 bucks up, up yeah down, right?
3: right exactly um i you know hopefully it's going to be less than three digits that's what we were aiming for right. but it is definitely like right there in line with like the jade edward and like yeah. other like premium absence
1: and you've <laughs> went through this painstaking process with the emerald which is a beautiful spirit and you're going to go and do it again
3: Or (laughs) a blush
1: or opal, as you guys are calling it. Yeah. When do you expect that that will hit the market?
3: Uh, We'd like to have it out by the end of the year. Um, You know, having more than one product will make a difference for trying to push things beyond just the like the local thing. But yeah. we have to sell enough of the first one sure. to afford the glass for the second one.
1: Yep. <laughs> one <laughs> so, hand washes the other, one product washes I, the other well right? and
3: you know, most of our, our uh, so we got no cash on our loan. It was all lines of credit. Yeah. And it was all based on personal credit, not yeah. business credit because we don't have any business history at the time. Mm. So um so all of our cash came from uh, friendly family loans, like, you know, our our generous family members said, "Well, the rate of return you've offered us is better than what our money market accounts are doing right that's now. Right, yeah. So let me kick you a little cash." Um, and uh, and thank God for that. Like we, you know, we're members of the, as I call it, the Lucky Sperm Club. Uh, <laughs> that they're not only in the position to do such a thing, yeah. but also willing to. That they, you know, believed in us. And so, um, like I, you know, like that's. And <laughs> anytime I've heard somebody talk about getting started, it's basically like you know. Other members of the Lucky Sperm Club who yeah. have people who will do that because otherwise you end up with you know people who that you're just strictly in business with and they don't treat you the same. No. and uh, you know you go the six months over your you know time when you thought you'd be having income mm. and you still don't have any income. They're not going to be as kind to you. Yeah, right. um, and uh, so we're hoping we can you know also get enough you know proof of uh, you know income that we can roll all those personal lines of credit into an actual business loan. Yep. Uh, but who knows how? You know, I don't know if we can do that in six months. We might have it might be well into twenty eighteen before we can get anywhere close to that. Yeah,
1: so. these are. I mean, these are really great things to be open about because yeah. everybody in this commodity, anyway, mm-hmm. they're going to go through these same problems. And I really hear what you're saying it very much right? <laughs> and i
3: don't know that everybody talks about that but like no I, they know, don't but they need to talk about that. i i agree i agree and and you know that i'm always pretty you know candid and you know there's like there's only a handful of things that i'm not going to tell you and sure. that's just like super proprietary yeah, stuff and that's fine. but but like you know mostly it's like here's what the business is like here's what's going on like exactly. i'm i'm working four jobs right now and only three of them pay right. <laughs> and and now this one is like taking up even more of my time than sure. it was and uh you know, like I, I wish I could, I wish I could, you know, get get a paycheck. But until we, you know, m- are making enough money to just pay for our, you know, bottom line, then, yeah. uh, and it, and it takes a while. It and does. And then every little, every little thing along the way, it's like, oh, I tried to order it and I couldn't get it, and I'm like, ah, like here are people who want it on the shelf, who've like created a cocktail, yeah. and want to have it available for customers, and they are, you know, struggling to, you know, get somebody to. Like bring them a damn bottle. Yeah, and 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 people are only gonna order like a bottle at a time because sure. it's a slow moving category. It's a it's a premium like it's a it's a high dollar. item. you know some people like make real funny faces when I tell them how much it costs. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well, they just don't understand the market segment, obviously.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, there are other folks who like don't bat an eye because yeah. they they know what that you know where it where it fits in the category and and end uh, on their bar, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know. It's a little tougher sell to somebody who's doing more like a volume thing than a craft thing. And yeah. um, but for for them, I'm just like, dude, it's easy. Just add water.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Dilution going to be built in. Uh uh-huh. That's a great point. I mean, it does insulate the car. cost a lot for the mm-hmm. bars. You know? mm-hmm. Well, it's you know, I'm glad we get to catch up and talk about this stuff. In a way, this is semi selfish of me because I really wish someone had done this for me. Mm. You know, that first quarter. Operation and then everybody's so excited. And we, you know, we've talked, I've had a class about this. Same thing. Yeah, people rally behind these new things. And Texas is a great economic power, so there's so much potential for anything spirit wise, especially absent. And I'm glad that you guys are the first, and I'm glad that it's good.
3: Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> it would be really terrible if we were the first ones to do it and then it stank. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, there's always one of those, <laughs> you know, the first this, the first that. Uh-huh. People will be diving into all of it, but it's good, and uh, you know, we'll always, uh, you know, I always like to ch- touch base and see how stuff's going with you guys, and I'm like, really excited to see what happens, and I'm really excited to see what the opal looks like. It sounds like amazing design and the works there too.
3: Yeah, I can't wait to to bring that into the world. Yeah. No, also, you know, it's gonna, I think it's gonna have a little more like versatility. You know, because you know people expect absinthe to be green, yeah. But when you actually get to like you know the actual applications and whatnot, it it's it's got a little. It's because it's such a particular flavor, and mm. those are those flavors are so strong. Having a slightly less complex uh, set of, you know. I think the opal is nine herbs, where this one's thirteen. Yeah, you know, it's a bit tighter, I guess. Yeah, and um and a little less heavy on like the uh, the things that people you know. Uh, Think of absence as having right, right? Like the anise and stuff is going to be a little, it's going to just be a little um, more. I don't know, like gentle of a flavor. That's a good way to put it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, the last question I've got for you, and this isn't really too much of a stumper, but you've been through some shit now. You've been in the battlefields. You're (laughs) going to be in the weeds for a little while. A while goes Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. You feel some financial responsibility to people, which begins to wear you down. You know, but so much potential. How do you feel about being a mentor now? Like going out and saying, you guys down the street are going to start a distillery. Do you feel like reaching out and sharing these war stories with them
3: too? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I um I in my in my other endeavors, right? Um, I have less of it, I suppose, as a musician to like other people who are working musicians. Mm -hmm. But like, I teach my instrument, and so I'm already in a sort of mentor role there. Oh, good point. Yeah. Uh, And then as an interpreter, um, September will be 12 years since I started working as a professional sign language interpreter. Yeah. Wow. And uh, and I've definitely mentored you know many students going through interpreter training programs and. You know, just sort of noobs. You know, giving advice along the way, or and then had more like formal, you know, mentorship things. It's you know, I'm one of my sort of values as a human. (laughs) You know, I declare that mostly I'm here for like joy and inspiration, but um, but I'm also like interested in like I'm here to be of service, right? Like that's basically what I'm here for. That's what my interpreting work is. And while I have like. You know, also sort of you know more selfish, uh, you know, uh, aspects to it for myself. Like I, I get a lot out of like playing music for people. Right. Uh, like yesterday, I played a gig at the airport, and you know, like it's just a captive audience at a little cafe, like waiting for their flights. Like they're not there for me. Right. Um. But when I get to playing, and you know, whether they're getting into it or not, I'm getting into it, and there's like this like high voltage, mm. like. Like actual physical experience that I get from that, you know, and and uh, I think that's, you know, sort of the the vibration of that sort of like offering, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. um, that sort of it, it's uh, I consider it like a connection to the eternal, you sure. know, yeah, uh, and and they they've actually done studies about. Uh, people doing generous things for other people, and that you actually have like a physiological response to that. Absolutely, that like you feel better when you do things for other people. Yeah, uh, you know, people want to do things for each other, and I've definitely seen that a lot in the um, in the in the booze business. Definitely, you know, people people want to support each other. People want everybody to win. You know, yeah. uh, and even in places where or, like situations where people might have like competing products or competing you know endeavors of some kind there's still a lot of camaraderie there and i love um you know that it's you know the service and like we're hospitality like it's it's very much to be of service to each other so absolutely i'm i I think that fits all entirely into the the whole thing
1: yeah you you get what you put out there Mm -hmm. and there's room for everybody sure and you don't have to uh, those are great lessons to learn too you can all compete for the same piece but It doesn't mean you can't collaborate. It doesn't mean you can't work together.
3: Yeah, exactly. And I don't, I don't think there's actual scarcity. No, not at all. I think a lot of times people operate from scarcity, but there's no reason to do that. There's plenty for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a matter of getting that to work.
1: Yeah, it's all about personalities (laughs) at that point, right?
3: Uh, yeah, I guess. Well, and and like like willingness to be on the same team. Right. Yeah,
1: that's what I mean. Like egos coming to play, wanting to collaborate wanting to make it about us versus me kind of thing you know? mm-hmm. but it's good it's gonna do very well and i imagine once you guys start submitting it if you plan on doing that oh yeah it's gonna sweep i mean it's a delicious spirit you guys have done a lovely job of it and i'm just glad we could get to catch up and talk about it you know um we'll talk soon jessica it'll okay. be interesting to see and again you know with the usbg stuff keep on keeping on people Thanks. will be excited to support you i'm sure
3: it's a lot of fun. I, I, I enjoy being of service to that community as well.
1: <laughs> service professional, indeed.
3: Indeed. Yeah. It's Thanks. a pleasure, Mike. Thanks so much for having um, me.
1: Always. Thank you. Well, there we have it. That is the full story from Matthew Mancuso and Jessica Lee Graves about derelict airship distilling and the new recently released Violet Crown Spirits Emerald Absinthe, a beautiful spirit. And I know this episode runs a little bit longer than normal. But I'm feeling some things as a business owner, and I'm feeling some things with other business owners, and I like to talk about it, and I like to try to, in some way, allow the information and the success and failures of the other entrepreneurs around us to help you make better, educated, more insightful decisions about whatever you're looking to do. Do you want to create a box of tissues? Do you want to make guitars? Do you want to open a bar? Fine. All of these things are completely feasible, but sometimes it's great to have These case studies, if you will. These conversations from people that have been there and they've done this. And you may ask yourself, why would anybody want to get involved with the booze industry when it is so fraught with regulations, so many different tiers of communication and purchasing? It's just a big mess. It's so convoluted. But the thing is, this passion will always drive these products forward, again, from a piece of paper to an amazing cocktail shared across the bar. These are all things worth pursuing, and I really want you to pursue them. And I hope that you can find this insight from Jessica and Matthew, very helpful in your pursuit. So if anything, hopefully, this may help you on your very incredible and strange journey like it has with Jessica and Matthew. so. So thank you for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter what build you think is most historically appropriate the Vesper Martini, or you're thinking, man, I can't wait to get back to Duke's Bar in London, England. Please keep dancing.